welcome to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I am Kimberly Winston, sitting in this week for Umbreen Khan. December is the time when every industry or realm tallies their annual accomplishments and failures, their big deals, and their little dust-ups. Every year, the Religion News Association, the leading professional organization for journalists who cover what we believe and why, polls its hundreds of members on the religion story of the year. 2021 was a banquet of possibilities, with 30 issues and events vying for the top spot. The RNA announced the winner earlier this week, and we'll get to that in a bit. But the annual poll always gets me thinking about the role of religion in American life and what I did or did not report or write on in the previous year. It also gets me wondering about the general health of religion journalism and whether or not it is relevant in a time when, as polls keep telling us, religious attendance is at an all-time low. So I decided to assemble a far-flung roundtable of my fellow religion reporters and ask them what they think. Was this a big year for religion reporting? In a time of masks and mandates, has COVID changed the way they do their jobs? What do they single out as the biggest religion story of the year? What religion stories did we miss in the firehose of constant news? And what will they be watching for in 2022? My colleagues work for both secular and faith-based news outlets. Sometimes we agreed on how important a single story or an issue was in the past year, and sometimes we did not. But all of us returned again and again to one topic, the COVID-19 pandemic and how it is changing the way we both do and cover religion. My name is Michelle Borstein. I'm one of the religion reporters from the Washington Post, and I'm talking to you from Washington, D.C. Michelle Borstein has spent 15 of her 20 years at the Washington Post covering religion. Along the way, she has won every award there is, multiple times. About five years ago, she did a year-long fellowship at the Neiman Foundation for Journalism because she felt she needed a better handle on what we mean when we say, I cover religion. I wanted to know if life under COVID had changed what she wrote about or how she did her job this past year. She called out the rapidly changing ways people of faith adapted religious services and rituals the pandemic world. So much of how we live is changing, and then there's changes and innovations in response to that, whether that's people's disconnect with like their physical weekly house of worship, their exploration online, their questioning, their experiences shifting into like new experiential things, whether that's gardening or sensory deprivation tanks Mm -hmm. or music because they weren't in their congregations or shifting into digital world, whether that's spiritual video games or music. I just feel like our routines changed. And that is a big part of religion is like ritual and routine. And you're attributing much of that to COVID, to the pandemic? I think it was the pandemic. I mean, I think it was accelerating things that were happening, but it made things happen much more quickly. That also includes organized religious places becoming much more digital, like things that they had put off. And sort of saying, all right, we need to think in a new way about 
whether that means digital worship or doing much more activism, like what, why would people come to us now? They really don't have, now they realize just a matter of clicking a button. So I think these were all changes that were coming, but they just were accelerated a lot in 2021. Do you think that these are permanent changes or do we still have an argument for this is just a blip on the landscape? I think some of the changes are permanent. Um, I don't know that they will shift into what exactly they're shifting into yet because they may shift into worship experiences that are just not based weekly around a building or they may shift more into activism or they may shift more into small group communities, relationships that people made either digitally or like very local. But yeah, I think some of the changes are permanent. One of Michelle's 2021 favorites carried this headline. From spellcasting to podcasting, inside the life of a teenage witch. It emphasized a major theme Michelle sees in contemporary American religion, the ongoing fragmentation of faith into increasing individualized practices and beliefs. Here's an excerpt. October 31st, 2021. There are worse places than Austin to be a teen witch, with a monthly witch's market, an annual witch festival, coven meetings, and strip mall magic stores. That said, Viv Bennett keeps to social and spiritual scenes mostly online. Their excerpt, Bennett says, is culturally conservative and Christian. Bennett describes being an outcast in high school who learned to keep to themselves. The pandemic supercharged Bennett's spiritual life. They created the podcast and YouTube channel, and those social media communities in turn fueled Bennett with confidence to dress more goth and witchy and to speak out more. Bennett Online is an earnest character. One YouTube video emphasizes the importance of doing a lot of research on witchcraft. Another discusses challenges posed by the trendiness of witchcraft, tarot, astrology, and the occult in general. They suggest reducing use of social media. Commenters often address Bennett like a cool teacher or camp counselor with a bit of awe and praise. Lots of thank yous and technical questions. Can I sub rosemary for cinnamon in a spell jar for protection against curses? Even if I'm not a witch, can I still interact well with house fae or house elves if I treat them respectfully? made you want to do that story? We were doing a series at the Post about teenagers, and I could do anything that I wanted to do, but I was really like, you know what, I'd like to pick one slice of this natural, environmental kind of thing and dig into it a little bit more. So that's what prompted it. I've been wanting to look into some of these, when I say alternative, because they're really ancient, it's not like they're new, but um they're new in some ways. I mean, you have the witches of TikTok was like one of their biggest trends of the season. So anyway, I was just basically like, what's this about? What does it mean when somebody says they're a witch today? It took me a long time to sort of pick the right witch. So I like, I interviewed like dozens of people for that story. It was a beautiful way of illustrating some of the numbers. 30% of Americans now say they have no religious affiliation. Well, what does that really mean? You know, she has beliefs, but she doesn't belong to any official religious denomination. Right. But she still, right. my goodness, she was leaving offerings for the goddess when she walked her dog. Right. 
Yes, he's very, very, very connected to these uh, gods and goddesses. Very much so. Yeah. We used to be able to find some stories by, you know, going into a house of worship on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. We, you know, how do you find yeah, what people are doing? Hard. It's really hard. I so, don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the ability for us to feel that we're speaking with authority about things is difficult, but that's not unique to our beat. Mm. You know, I mean, there's these whole zillions of worlds going on that are morphing all the time. It's not clear their staying power. It's not clear their leadership. It's not clear their beliefs or dogma. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's hard to know if a story is very authoritative. One cool reporting alternative is, you know, there has been a reliance in some ways on data. And I think, you know, reporting is at its heart, you know, you're not supposed to like start with the data, right? You're supposed to start with the reporting. So, I mean, I feel like it gives you almost a license to dig more deeply into individual stories. Bobby Ross Jr. is another much lauded religion reporter. Just this past year, the Christian Chronicle which is associated with the Churches of Christ, was named the best newspaper in its home state of Oklahoma. Have you found that the COVID pandemic has changed the way that you go about doing your work? It definitely did for about a year. You know, I think from starting maybe January 2020 to May of of 2021, I basically did my job sitting in my house and didn't Mm -hmm. go into the office and didn't travel anywhere, which was really strange. In, In some ways, it was helpful because in some ways, you can actually become lazy by being able to get stuff on the scene and remember, you know, just how much information you can really get sitting in your living room if you have to, that you don't necessarily have to get on a plane to get a good story. I have found it's really hard to capture by phone or by Zoom that intimate connection to their beliefs. What my journalism professor used to call that that ritual moment when the subject of whatever story you're pursuing, something changes for them because of their religious beliefs or they perform something in front of you and there's that mystery in the air. How do I see that over the phone? How do I see that via Zoom? If I call somebody up and even if I talk 30 to 60 minutes on the phone, it's not the same as showing up at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning or whenever and being with them all day. I'm sure you've experienced this, that often the most enlightening thing or the best quote or or the anecdote that you choose to use is hours later when that person is maybe maybe opening up to you a little more, feeling more comfortable with you. There's just something that you learn when you're with people and you do it in person. Exactly. Have you learned any strategies for bridging that gap? You know, I'm blessed in most cases to have time to research things where I can do some crowdsourcing and figure out whether this person has a story worth telling. I kind of 
do a little bit of advanced reporting to kind of know a little bit more about somebody before I even attempt to write the story? One of Bobby's standout stories this year marked the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, when white residents turned on their black neighbors in the Greenwood section of town. Hundreds of people were killed and many more were injured. The anniversary attracted news organizations from around the world. Here's an excerpt. At the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre, two preachers, one black, one white, stand on stage at a suburban church. They face each other, hold hands, and bow their heads. Help us, Father, to learn to erase the past and live for the future as one in Christ, praised Tim Luster, the black minister. After the final amen, Luster leans forward, hugs Tim Piles, the white minister, and says softly, God bless you, man. The close-knit relationship between Luster and Piles is a testament to both ministers' focus on racial reconciliation. During the past five years, the two have talked on the telephone. They have met in each other's offices. They have shared meals at Shiloh's and Fish Daddy's, popular eateries in this area. Some of those conversations have been heartbreaking to me, Piles said, because I've heard some of Tim's experiences not just in the world, but some of his experiences in the body of Christ. Racism is real. Racism is wrong. Racism is sin, the white minister added. It deprives people of their humanity and their dignity as image bearers of the God who created them. Everybody else in the world approached it as a race story but you approached it as a religion story. Now tell me how you found that story. Tim Piles, the white minister, was actually my minister in Dallas when I worked for AP. So I've known him for quite a while. So as the anniversary approached, I just emailed a few people that I know in the Tulsa area and said, hey, do you know any interesting connections to churches or any, you know, thing that might be interesting for me to write about? And Tim kind of sheepishly replied and explained what they were doing. But, you know, I hadn't told you about it because we're really not doing this for publicity. We're, we're just doing this because we feel like it's the right thing to do. So I showed up on a Sunday morning and kind of just witnessed it all and talked to people. What did that highlight about the story that other reporters might have missed by not covering the faith angle? You know, we say that religion is always in the room and it's complicated. This was a big national story, and in my inclination, usually on a big national story, is just to see if there is a religion angle. So, you know, so as I started poking around on this one, I realized that lots of churches are coming together to say, hey, we really didn't handle this right a hundred years ago. Racism, prejudice are still issues. We need to do what we can. So it's not any genius thing where I looked and said, hey, maybe there's religion. It's just almost always there is religion if you just start poking around a little bit. Coming up, we explore more top religion stories of the year 
and look forward to 2022. This is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I am your guest host, Kimberly Winston. Stay with us. friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. Thank you. 